Good morning. Okay, you laughed. That's good. So um, Blake really knows how to make somebody feel welcome. Um, while we were singing, um, my Apple Watch told me four times that my heart rate jumped above 120 beats per minute. Um, so y'all also know how to make somebody nervous. So I'm just kidding. I'm not nervous. It's, it's, it's excitement is what it is. Um, because it's such a privilege and honor to come and, and to share with you this morning, um, specifically just because this is where I grew up. I'm looking up um, out and seeing the faces. Um, some of you are sitting in the exact same spot you were um, when I left almost 15 years ago, okay? So maybe we should shimmy it up a little bit and shift around, who knows, okay? Sherry Page, I see you up there, still sitting on that front row of the balcony, I see you. Um, but no, it is, it is such an honor and privilege to be here today. And, and it's great that um, Blake shared with you guys that we are a legacy church here at First Baptist Decatur. And that legacy um, that has been bestowed to me, um, I believe it was Blake, um, he said that that legacy is a gift and it's been given to me um, from First Baptist Decatur, um, which I'm, I'm honored to have taken part of and just thankful for Sunday school leaders, for children's ministry leaders, youth directors, whoever they may have been, but even as you've encouraged me in my walk of life um, to keep going and to keep chasing and pursuing the Lord, I'm so thankful um, that you've done that for me. And Hopefully this morning, um, I can give you a gift. Um, that's the gift of God's word because that's exactly what it is. God's gift is um, given to us through his spoken word, through his written word. And I hope that as we read it together this morning, that God will change your heart, that he will make you more like him, and that he will allow you to have the boldness that we'll read about today to go forth and to be the church as he's commanded us all to be. But before we get into his word, um, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for today, and thank you so much for just your goodness and how we have sung about your faithfulness today, God. I pray, Father, that we will remember your faithfulness in our own lives as we read your word today, and that you will um, allow it to transform us and make us more into the likeness of your Son. So move in our hearts today, move in our minds, allow us to be transformed so that we can go and we can be the church and speak with boldness just as Peter did. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In your name I pray, amen. Go ahead and open up your, your Bible to Acts chapter two. So we're gonna continue reading in Acts just as you have in, in the weeks prior. If you are a guest, there is a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, and I'm gonna go ahead and say, um, if you don't have a Bible, take it. Um, so this isn't my church, so I guess I can say do whatever. Um, is that what you do here? You tell them to take it good, all right? Um, that's what we do at, at, at our church. Um, I have the honor and privilege of serving on staff with a, a man named Buddy Champion. Um, I, am, I came on board about three years ago, um, and, I, and I work with he and Lance over there at First Baptist Trustful, and so that's what Buddy says, and so I just took it from him, and I just said, hey, take the pew um, Bible in front of you, because... That's cool, right? Um, but no, if, if you don't have a, a written copy of God's word, please take that with you. But we are gonna be in Acts chapter two, but just to kind of give you a background of where we're moving, um, I'm just gonna recap what we've gone over the past couple weeks, okay? So in Acts chapter one, we saw how um, Jesus um, kind of um, commissioned his disciples, okay? In Acts chapter one, you see that he told them, I want you to go to Jerusalem and Judea and, and Samaria. I want you to go to the ends of the earth and I want you to go and I want you to teach them who I am so that they can know me too. 
So we see in Acts 1 that there, there was this commissioning that took place, and then we see Jesus ascended back to heaven. But before he ascended, he said, I want you to stay and I want you to wait because something really awesome is going to happen and I'm going to give you my spirit. And last week we talked about Pentecost and how through the day of Pentecost, when it came, the disciples were given the Holy Spirit so that they could go and they could do exactly what God had commanded them to do. Blake shared with you last week that when that day of Pentecost came, it was such a very divisive and polarizing event in in church history. God even said through his son Jesus that people will hate you because of the message of the gospel. It says that families will be torn apart. We see that when they said, well, what does this all mean when the Holy Spirit came? But then how also some of them said, you know what? That's not the Holy Spirit. Those people are crazy. They're drunk. So you see how it was so divisive and it was splitting people apart. And that day of Pentecost also shows us that that's exactly what the gospel is. It's divisive and it's polarizing. But the really neat thing is that today as we look at Peter's sermon in Acts chapter two, when the first Christian message is preached in the church age, we're gonna see that the gospel's not only divisive and polarizing, it's also redemptive and life-giving. Because yes, it does tear people apart, but the really neat thing is what it was intended for is to draw people closer to who God is so that they can know him, so they can be with him, so they can worship him just as they were meant to do. So I hope that today we see the redemptive story in Christ's message through Peter right here as he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. So if you would... Just read with me these first few verses in Acts chapter two, starting in verse 14, as we see Peter start to preach. So after all of these people, they stood up and they were astounded and they were perplexed and they said, what does this all mean? Peter looks at them and he stands up and he says, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay very close attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only nine o'clock in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken to you through the prophet Joel. So just even in those quick first few verses, we see Peter start to explain to all of these people what's, what's happening. You see, they came to the disciples and they were like, what's going on? We don't understand. And they were also very divisive on the topic because they said, you know what? These men are just crazy. We can't believe anything that they say. So, but no, Peter stands up with boldness and he says, no, please listen to me now. I'm about to explain to you what is, what is happening. But here's the deal. You actually already know it because that's exactly what the the prophet Joel had spoken. You see, all these people who were in Jerusalem at the time, for that time of Pentecost, for that festival of weeks, they were Jewish people, so they understood the culture, they understood their background, so they knew who Joel was, and they knew what he had said. So it's very timely that Peter looks at them and says, no, I need you to understand. I need you to listen to the prophet Joel because this is exactly what he proclaimed was going to happen. 
And the prophet Joel said, in Joel chapter three, he said, and it will be in those last days, says God, and I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those last days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. And I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a, and a cloud of smoke. And then, to, and then the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He tells them, you know what has happened. There's no reason you should question why the Holy Spirit came because this is exactly what the, the prophet Joel had already proclaimed. And he says, if you're really Jewish, if you understand where you've come from, if you understand where God has taken the Israelites and where his people are going, then you should already know that this day was coming because it had been talked about. He says this day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was coming, you should, you should already know. But he used this passage, I think, in, in a very timely manner as well. Not only does he tell him, hey, you should already know what's happening, but he says, let me kind of cut it to the core a little bit deeper. I believe the reason why Peter used this, this passage from Joel's prophecy, because of exactly what they were doing in Jerusalem at the time. They were there for the, that feast of Pentecost or that feast of weeks. Basically to say, you know what, Lord, you have given us a harvest and I want to give it back to you as a blessing. But right there in this passage of scripture where he, he speaks of what Joel said, in that time, the Israelites, have, they were going through a very severe drought and famine. And so the provision that they were supposed to be given, it wasn't there and so the Jews were probably like, well, why are you talking about Joel? Why are you, you talking about this time when there was this drought, when we're sitting here celebrating this time of abundance and this time of festivity and this time of the Lord's provision? Why would you give us that? Well, it's because he wanted them to understand that there was a spiritual drought in their own lives. Even though they were there to celebrate the Lord's provision, Peter saw that there was something in them that was still missing. There's a spiritual drought in their lives. And although they were there to give it back to, to the Lord, that blessing to the Lord, they were doing it just out of habit, just out of culture. And he was helping them recognize that they didn't know who God was. They did not have that relationship with him, that personal relationship with him where the Holy Spirit has come to them so that they could then fulfill their purpose of worshiping him. He wanted them to see through this passage that in, in Joel's time, there was a spiritual drought. And even right now, even though you are celebrating the Lord's blessing, there's a drought in your own life. And we need to understand that it needs to be fixed. And the neat thing is that Peter then goes on and he tells them that the fix for your spiritual drought has already come. He came to this earth and he lived that life. But then the, the interesting thing is, is that you put him to death. But before we get to that point, I want you to also see something very, very specific in these opening verses of Peter's sermon. 
is that he, he speaks of this time in the very beginning. He says that all this will come to you in the last days. So we see Peter speaking with urgency to them. And you see, that's what we should do as, as fellow Christ followers. We should always speak with urgency with anybody that we're speaking to or sharing life with. We should always speak with that urgency. He says that in the last days is when the Spirit is going to come. And what he meant by that is, yes, Jesus has gone back to heaven, but he is com- he's coming back, and nobody knows the time or the place that he's coming, but we are in those last days. So he's speaking to them with urgency, and he's saying, you need to understand this because you need to repent and come to the Lord. And he ends that passage in verse 21. He says that if you call on him, you will be saved. He's letting us know, too, that we are living in the last days. Because Jesus, yes, he's already come, and he's gone, and he's back in heaven, but he hasn't returned yet, so we are also in the last days. And we need to understand that, church, because we need to continue to move forward with the same boldness that Peter had so that other people can see the message of the gospel just as Peter is doing So he tells us that we are living in the last days. And he speaks to them with that urgency so that they can understand that they need to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. But then he moves on. He says, I've explained to you what this Holy Spirit thing was about, that you've already known it. You should have expected it. And so there's really no question you need, need to ask on it, but let me propose to you the solution of the spiritual drought that I just spoke of. And so starting in verse 22, he begins to talk about Jesus of Nazareth, how Jesus came down to this earth and he walked that perfect life. But then you, you Jews, you didn't believe him. You chose to reject him. And as a result, you put him to death by lawless hands. You see, the Jews had been anticipating the Messiah for a very, very long time. And when he was finally here, they didn't recognize him. When he was here, the things that he spoke, they didn't believe. And as a result, they crucified him and put him to death. They even had signs and wonders that were performed by him through God. Jesus performed many signs and miracles so that they could see who God was, so they could experience him in just the the tiniest of bit. But even then, they rejected him, and they put him to death. But the beauty of the gospel is that what, what he says through David excuse me, through in verse 24, he says that even though you put him to death, it was not possible for him to be held by that death because he did come back to life and it was important for him to do so. Because you see, church, if if Christ stayed dead, we would not have life. If Jesus Christ stayed in the tomb, if he stayed in the grave, 
there would be no possible way for us to have life because Christ would not have defeated it. But the neat thing is that when we have that relationship with God, when we have that relationship with Jesus, he imparts to us the gift of his spirit. And the neat thing is, yes, Jesus was not held by death, but when we have that relationship with him, we are no longer held by death. In Romans chapter eight, Verse one, it says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law could not do because it was weakened by the flesh. And he says that Jesus came so that we might become the righteous requirement of the law through him. Because now we don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And he says that if you walk according to the spirit, then you set your minds on the things of the spirit. But if you walk according to the flesh, you, you set your minds on the thing of the flesh because the flesh will always bring death, but the spirit will always bring life and peace. You see, when we have that relationship with Christ, death is no longer ours. But if we are walking according to the spirit, meaning if the spirit of God dwells inside of us, then we are living a life of life, eternal life and peace with God. And as a result, everything that we say and everything that we do is pleasing to God, or at least should be. And God's given us the ability to do exactly that through the gift of his spirit that we talked about last week. If you know Christ, then the spirit lives inside, inside of you and he can encourage you to do what is right. He will convict you of what is wrong, but encourage you to do what is right so that you can live a pleasing and holy and acceptable life. But remember, if Christ is in you, you've accepted an invitation to a way of life that is life-giving and of peace. And that's what he wanted these, these Jews to know here in Jerusalem at the time. He wanted them to know that Jesus Christ has come. You put him to death, but he was the only way that death could be defeated. So please hear me now is what he says. I need you to understand with urgency that you need to know him. But we see that the, the Jews still were questioning it. And they really didn't understand what he was speaking of. And so Peter takes it a step further. He says, okay, you're not going to believe the testimony of the Messiah as he was here. I need you to understand somebody else then. I need you to understand the testimony of David. You, as a Jew, I'm going to not just talk to you about the prophecy that Joel spoke that you should have known. I'm also going to talk to you about the prophecy of David that you should know. David, one of the patriarchs of the Jewish, um, Jewish faith, the Jewish religion, he was the king that led them through many battles and, and many, many... Um, 
um, wars and, and allowed them to come out on top and victorious. They knew who David was, so it was important for him to use this passage so that they could understand it just a little bit further. So to help them see that their need of a savior, he looked at them and spoke with them, Peter did, with the testimony of David. In verse 25, he spoke to them and said, David says of Jesus the Messiah, he says, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, but moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the path of life to me and you will fill me with gladness in your presence. He shares this prophecy of David to these people so that they can understand that even David spoke of the Messiah. A lot of people think that David was speaking to himself here. Because if you remember in 2 Samuel, God promised David that his house would live forever. So a lot of people think that when David was, was saying that you will not allow me to see decay, they were thinking that, okay, David, maybe he never died. Or, or maybe um, his legacy is going to continue on. Or maybe his house will always reign. See, there were lots of questions on what they thought David meant, but in reality, David was speaking of the Messiah and his death and his resurrection. Is that yes, his line would continue on, and, and Jesus would come from the line of David, but the fact that he wouldn't see decay meant that Jesus was going to live forever. Not that David was going to live forever, but that Jesus was going to live forever. And that that Messiah that you killed is living now, and he's alive now, but you can also have him now. So not only does he share with him the testimony of David, if that's not enough, he then pushes forward and tells of the testimony of the disciples. So he looks at their past, but then he looks at their present. He tells them, no, if, if David wasn't enough, I want you to understand that the apostles, we walked with Jesus. We talked with Jesus. We saw him perform many signs and wonders. He says, that we saw him, we experienced him. And that's why I'm standing before you today preaching. That's what he said. He said, I've experienced God in a real and mighty way. And the power of the Holy Spirit has come and it's, and it's dwelling inside of me. That's why I'm able to speak to you in boldness. When just a few, few weeks earlier, he was, he was cowering behind saying, you know what? I don't know Jesus. They knew that Peter had cowered. And to see him standing boldly, they can, they can there, then verify that something different, something had changed in him. So he gives them the testimony of David, but he gives them the testimony of the apostles, but then he also gives them the testimony of the Holy Spirit. He said, you heard the Holy Spirit come, didn't you? That's why they all came rushing, figuring out what was going on. They heard the Holy Spirit come. He said, all this commotion, the reason why I'm, I'm here, is because all these things have taken place just as they said they, they would have. That mighty rushing wind that you heard, 
the languages that you heard, that was a result of the Holy Spirit. Side note, this is the point in the service where I make you laugh just to make sure you're awake. All right, let's move on. I'm just kidding. That was good, thank you. So a few weeks ago, two weeks ago precisely, we, I, I, I was teaching this very message to our kids in children's church. And when we got to the day of Pentecost and the commotion that was there, I looked at all the kids and I said, now there's this mighty wind that came through and it was blowing louder and and stronger than any wind that you have ever imagined. So I looked at them all and I said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to blow at me as hard as you can. And so they did. And as soon as they blew, I saw every adult in that room do this. Because they didn't blow, they all did this. (laughs) Sorry for y'all. And I was like, that wasn't quite what the Holy Spirit did, okay? But that would have been a fun experience to take part of. But these Jews, they came as a result of the Holy Spirit coming down, and Peter looked at them and said, the Holy Spirit is here. You've heard him. You've experienced him by us speaking to you in your language. So it's important for you today to understand that God is moving in a mighty way so that you can know him. And so as Peter continues to proclaim this message, we see that these Jews start to to squirm a little bit they start to realize and understand and maybe Peter's right. Maybe we do come here and we're, we're bringing forth our offering to the Lord, but there's nothing, there's nothing behind it. If you look over in Acts chapter two, verse 37, It says that as Peter continued to preach this message, that when they heard this, they started to become pierced to the heart. Meaning that they started to feel that conviction. They started to be moved inside of them to want to respond to who God is. They understood in that moment when they were pierced to the heart that they were in direct opposition of who God was and what he had called them to do. They started to recognize that they they had that sin in their lives and that they were the ones who put him to death. That the Messiah was the one who he said he was, that he was walking on this earth. But as a result of their own sin and selfishness, and their blindness as a result of their sin, they put him to death. They started to feel that. They started to understand that. And church, hear me. If we want to know who God is, we have to understand that that is us too. It wasn't just the Jews who should feel that conviction of sin. It isn't just the Jews who should feel like they put Christ to death. You see, the Bible tells us that every single one of us are sinners separated from God. 
We are all in direct opposition of God because he's telling us to do one thing, but in our sin and in our selfishness, we're choosing to do another. And so that opposition is there. That divisiveness is there as a result of our sin. But then they ask and they say, Peter, well, what should we do? And he tells them two things. He says, repent and be baptized. How can we fix that opposition between us and God where he says, Peter says, repent and be baptized. And that's the same thing he's telling us that we should do as well that we should repent and be baptized. Repent because only through our repentance do we see the cancellation of our sin and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, but then through baptism we see that we are living out the testimony of God to show other people who he is so that then they can give glory and honor to the Father who is in heaven. That's what Peter was telling them to do. He says, repent, turn away from your sin, go to God, choose to follow him, trust him with the cancellation of your sin, trust him for salvation. But then as an act of obedience, step forth in baptism, not so that your sins can be washed away, that's what already Christ has done, but so that people can see the testimony of the Messiah, the liberator, the one who gives life in you, so that they can then turn to God themselves. Earlier I told you that as a a Christ follower, when we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we've accepted an invitation to a way of life. So everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we, we think should be a direct act of our worship to God, but also within, keeping in mind, I have to make sure that other people see who God is too so that they can know and experience him just as I have. Peter says, repent and be baptized. Christ has given you the forgiveness of your sins and when you do so, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this will be the promise for you and for your children And for all who are far off, for they too can come to know God. So church, where do you stand? We see that Peter delivers a beautiful message, the first message of the Christian church. But do we believe that message ourselves? Are you a lot like these these cultural and traditional Jews who come before the Lord to bring your offering, to come and sit in a pew, to read your Bible and say, you know what, I've done it. I've checked it off my list. Or are you like Peter, walking in the boldness given to you by the Holy Spirit each and every single day to come before God with a true heart of worship, of a true repentant heart to say, God, I know you've forgiven me of my sin and I want this life to be lived in a a way of worship for you. Today, do you need to repent of your sin? Because today you've seen through the testimony of Peter that the Messiah is alive and well. Did you today need to say, you know what, God? I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of doing things on my own. I'm tired of living in opposition of you. 
Do you need to come to know the Lord? Or maybe for you, you may, you may, you may just see, you know what? I do need to be baptized. Because that baptism is a way that we can show people who God is. As, a, as an act of obedience to him, is today a day that you need to make that decision to pray and say, God, I want to walk with boldness with you to, to be baptized so that other people can see who you are. But if neither of those things are you today, can I tell you, it's okay. But my prayer for you is that God will continue to work on your heart. He will continue to transform your mind so that you can know him, so that you can believe in him, so that you can walk with him obediently and confidently, just as Peter did, just as the apostles did, and just as every Christ follower, true Christ follower has done thereafter. So where do you stand today? Is Christ alive in you? Is that boldness yours? Or is today the day that you choose to follow him? Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for today and your goodness. And thank you so much for just the outpouring of your spirit as it came in Acts chapter two. But we're also thankful for just the testimony of Peter as he boldly proclaimed the message of the gospel in his life and how it changed and affected him, God. But I also pray that that is the same truth that lives inside of each of us. That if we believe in the message of the gospel, if we believe that the Messiah is alive and well and that he is living inside of us, that we too can walk in that same boldness and preach the gospel just as Peter did on that day. That our lives will be lived in such a way that when we go to work, when we go to school, when we are at the grocery store, when we're at home with our families, that the gospel will be lived out and that people will turn to you because of your power working in and through us. So thank you for that message today. Thank you for, for your son. And thank you for loving us first. We love you too. Thank you for your word. In your name I pray, amen.